You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to Partnernomics Podcast. This is Mark Brigman, and we've got Tyler Pittman over there on the other side of the desk. Tyler, how are you doing, man? Not bad. How about yourself? Doing good. Dude, I just saw uh, Patrick Mahomes. Owning the Royals, huh? <laughs> Patrick, open up the checkbook a little bit. Going to grab him a piece of the Royals. That's that's cool, man. I guess he's going to be here for at least the next decade. So Yeah. He's making his presence felt rather quickly in this city. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's good news. Great yeah. for Kansas City. Great for the Royals. That's, uh, that's cool. That's neat to see, man. He's, he's a great... Great addition to our community. Yeah, I'll take him here as long as, as long as he wants to stay, right? Man, no question. No <laughs> question. All right, man. So what kind of cool stuff do we have on the agenda for today? Well, before we get started, let's remind the people that they can follow us on LinkedIn and all social media platforms for that matter, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's all at Partnernomics and don't forget, if you have any questions for us, you can shoot those questions to podcast at partnernomics.com and we'll get those answered for you either via email or on the podcast. So today we'll get started with, got three questions in from some of the listeners for you, Mark. Um, let's begin with uh, Jason. Jason asks how should people view conflict in partnerships is it good or bad healthy or unhealthy awesome question this is one of those topics that i love to talk about and really challenge people and it's it's been my experience with different teams that they avoid conflict like the plague and there's there's absolutely a direct correlation between Great teams getting great results and their ability to um, face conflict and to to work through it constructively and not, you know, the opposite. If they avoid it or obviously if they engage in uh, conflict that is that is not healthy, it's they get no results. There's an absolute direct correlation with that. So, you know, I think. With this world of strategic partnering specifically, you know, that where companies are, are working on initiatives that are brand new, highly innovative, kind of the first of its kind sort of things, by definition, there's going to be a lot of different challenges that come with that. And with challenges comes new things, which means conflict. And so conflict itself is not either good nor bad. Um, it's It's neutral. What you want to do is have constructive conflict as opposed to destructive conflict. And one of the things that, that I've seen a lot or just working with different teams is people have these ideas and, and they kind of become married to, to the idea. And when their, their idea is questioned or it's challenged, they take it personally and when that happens, it's never a good thing. <laughs> and it's it's through challenging each other that we make each other better. We make right. the idea better. We make our teams better. We make the products and the services better. And so it, I think it's it's critically important to have a culture 
that embraces conflict. It embraces the diversity of thought and it embraces challenging each other. But the important thing is that we, we also have the culture that sees it as just trying to make it all better and not that we're trying to make a person look bad or an idea look bad. Gotcha. So the good or bad really comes from how you handle it. Yeah. If you're reacting negatively to it, you can, it's just never going to really go well. Yeah. I think it's a, that's exactly right. It's not that conflict itself is good or bad. It's how is it dealt with? Mm -hmm. Is it dealt with in a positive constructive way or a, a destructive uh, way? That's, that's really the goods and the bads of conflict. Yeah. So Second question we have in from Susie, and Susie asks, are there certain markets that strategic partnerships are more successful in? Yeah, good question. Um, so the short answer is no. Um, I've literally seen strategic partnerships, even within our clients, everything from food services to software companies to vacuum sweep stores and builders and realtors. I mean, partnerships can be anywhere. Partnerships find themselves everywhere. All different sizes and types of companies, for-profit, not-for-profit, small, large, solopreneur, Fortune 10, and across every industry. You know, we teach that there's three core avenues for growth. There's organic, we're going to go it alone, we're going to buy it, or you know, we're going to go it alone, we're going to build it. The second way is through acquisition, we're going to buy our way in. And the third way is through partnering. And so partnerships is really just the tool that we use. You know, sometimes we need a hammer, sometimes we need a screwdriver, sometimes we need a saw. And partnering is just the tool that we use based upon our objectives and, and based upon the resources that we have um, at our disposal to use, uh, you know, to take that organic approach. If we don't have the ability to take the organic approach, then we need to, to look elsewhere. But uh, the short answer is, is no. It's, you know, partnerships are not specific to an industry or specific to a size. It's really about understanding what your growth objective is, you know, mm -hmm. what your strategic plan is for your company, and then determining what is the best approach, what is the best tools to use um, based upon your needs as to which tool you use. Yeah. Well, the more research I've done on partnerships, you not only are they not bound to one market, you see companies from all different kinds of markets partnering with each other just to benefit each other, you know. Like you said, it's you've got to look at what you need and what you want for your business and go from there. Yeah. And they're not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can take all three. You can take all three approaches. Matter of fact, I was talking to Bernie Brenner, um, one of the co-founders of TrueCar. He has a company now called Rollick. And so he's essentially taken a lot of his lessons learned and uh, you know, the, the eye for technology into the recreational vehicle space. Mm -hmm. So imagine like true car, but for uh, RVs and motorcycles and boats and those sorts of things. And so I was talking to, you know, this really having this 
very conversation with Bernie about that and their growth strategy um, includes them having a direct sales force. It includes them leveraging partnerships with large insurance companies and other folks. But then they also acquired uh, a marketing, a digital marketing company as well. And so growth strategies, it's, it doesn't just have to be one avenue. Mm-hmm. It could be two or three taken on the same time. Again, just depending on what, what it is that you need, what tool you, you need. Right. Um, so last question, and this is from Tyler, ironically enough. <laughs> And Tyler asks, what do you see as the main differences between business development and sales? Yeah, this is a, this is a good question, fun question. And I'm going to try to not jump on my soapbox here. <laughs> and this is another question that uh, Bernie and I kicked around. It's, he's got it in his book, uh, The Sumo Advantage, where he talks about that. So, you know, I've been in this biz dev strategic partnering world for over 20 years now. And it seems that probably for the first 10 years of, of my career, business development or biz dev meant doing truly strategic, kind of long-range, long-term work to, to grow the business. And it seems in the last decade, within the last 10 years, um, a lot of folks in transactional sales roles, right, quota-driven roles, they have said, man, that's a sexy term, that uh, biz dev, business development, I'm going to put that on my business card. And no disrespect to those men or women, but basically I call it they've hijacked. They've hijacked the term and they use it in sales. So now there's a lot of mud in the water as to what business development means. And so from my perspective and from that of uh, Bernie Brenner and, and many, many other folks I've had this conversation with, um, sales is transactional, you know, revenue generating activities where, where we are driven by a quota and we have amounts or levels each week, each month, each quarter that we have to sell in order to generate revenues to feed the engine, to keep the company going. And it's absolutely critical. If you do not have sales, you do not have a business. Um, But on the flip side of that is this biz dev role, which goes beyond strategic partnering, right? Strategic partnering is is working with third-party organizations to leverage the resources and the assets and the capabilities that those companies have. Um, but BizDev really can go even further than that. So it's not just strategic partnering, but it can also be in leading strategic initiatives inside of the company to transform it. But they always have a longer term view. Um, the main thing with BizDev is to put the building blocks in place to play that air traffic control person with resources so that you have new revenue opportunities or new profit opportunities um, that could either come from increased revenues or decreased costs from efficiencies. Um, but it's it's managing and building and leading those initiatives that are not focused on revenue this quarter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times not even focused on revenue this year. It's it's always long-term, long-view initiatives. But yeah, awesome question. That's something that that we talk about a lot in in this world, you know. So in I would say like in a sales role, 
a lot of times we use the word vendor. Mm-hmm. And I, the word vendor makes my skin crawl, the, the world that I live in, because you know, as I talked about in, in the book, Partneronomics, to me, a vendor is somebody that you go up to, you, I mean, just like a vending machine, right? You walk up there, you put in four quarters and you punch the button and you say, give me a Coca-Cola or give me a Pepsi. And if you don't get one, you know, you punch it again, hit a little harder, slap the machine, you know, <laughs> up on the side and, and pray that your, your soda, your bag of chips or whatever the case is, you hope that it falls down. And if you don't get what you want, you know, you just kick it and walk away and say you're never going to work with it. Well, that's, to me, that's the traditional vendor relationship. And I hate the word vendor because we can get so much more out of relationships. We can get so much more value out of working with different organizations if we, we make it collaborative. We, we build and develop and nurture relationships. It's not just beaten on a vending machine and, and trying to get a low price. Right. So I said I wasn't going to jump my soapbox, but I just did. Hey, it happens. Sorry <laughs> about that, brother. <laughs> it's a passionate topic. I understand. I mean, when you and Bernie were, you know, talking a little bit about that, it it's definitely something that I can see is easily, you know, intertwined. People confuse them with each other, and there's a distinction between the two. So, um, moving on. Well, before we do, um, I'll add again that if anyone has any questions, uh, feel free to email those in to podcast at partnernomics.com and we will get those answered for you. They can also go to the podcast page, right? The page yeah. that you launched. Yeah. You can go to the podcast page. It's in the header on the website and there's a form at the bottom and all you do is shoot your name in there, put the question for us. And that's a, yeah, another way to get us some questions for us to answer on here. So what are all the cool platforms you got us on? Man, we're on Spotify, Google play or Google podcast, however you want to name it. And then also on iTunes and Apple podcasts. So that's all the big ones, right? That's Hey, we hit them all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we can get people to listen. So that's right. Yeah. Uh, so the last, what three podcasts we've been Going through the partnership success pyramid, baby. The success pyramid. So, we are now today going to be touching on the Esprit de Corps. And this stems a little bit from your marine background, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, we've been going through the, the partnership success pyramid. We call it the five imperatives for partnership success. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about the fourth imperative, which is esprit de corps. And yeah, it definitely has to do uh, my indoctrination with the Marine Corps. I was blessed and honored to spend six years in the Marines. And esprit de corps is uh, really a motto of the Marines. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a French term, which means spirits of the body. But really, it means, it can be translated a couple different ways. One is an, an ultimate level of commitment and loyalty to a group. But it, it really means to, to take diverse people and to form them as one, to join them as one. And as we talked about earlier in this podcast, 
you know, specifically in strategic partnerships, you know, those, those relationships or those partnerships where you're doing something highly innovative, something for the first time, an industry first, you're going to hit challenges. The mountain at times is going to be steep and it's going to be easy to want to quit, to give up. Mm-hmm. And in order for partnerships to be successful, it has to be about something more than just convenience. It has to be about commitment and truly be committed to success. And a lot of times in partnerships that I see, you know, there are very transactional partnerships that are just out of convenience and those never work for the long term. The partnerships that have the highest probability of success are those where they're truly committed to each other's success. So it's not just about me getting what I need for my company, but it's me truly being committed to helping you get what you need for your company as well. Mm -hmm. And we need to figure out a way as business leaders to have that approach, that mindset to check those boxes and really convince ourselves before we ever sign a deal that we're headed down that path. Yeah. Yeah. You just hit on, you know, the commitment aspect and I think commitment's so important anywhere you, anywhere you look, but especially when you're counting on somebody else to, you know, do something for you and, you know, you're doing something in return, it's going to be for the better. So, yeah. And the the commitment is really just, it's a follow on to alignment, right? which is the, the second imperative. And so if we think about, you know, getting aligned or being aligned with other companies, and, and we, we talked about that a couple podcasts ago about being aligned to each other's vision, their mission, their core values, their goals. You know, it's like, you know, a lot of times, you know, like I mentioned, partnerships are executed because we think that a company can can give us something that we need, right? It's a very much a me one-sided approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really have the obligation to make sure that we can provide mutual value, mutual benefit. You know, it's not, you know, one side of partnership is a, is a short term partnership. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. And, um, but you know, just some of those examples, like, you know, so some companies are risk takers. Some are very risk averse. Uh, some totally embrace very independent work and independent decision-making while others are very collaborative Mm -hmm. and they want to have committees. Uh, Some have put a lot of value in speed and going as fast as you can go. Well, maybe the opposite of that is is accuracy. Mm -hmm. They want to be 100% right on or they're not going to make a decision. And so whenever you look at the values that the companies follow, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just they're different. There's different routes that you can take to get to success, whatever success means for you. Um, but I think the the easiest way or the greatest way to, to get a strong sense of commitment with each other is to ensure that you are aligned. Mm-hmm. You know, to spend the time to really understand what it means to be aligned and and then execute partnerships based upon that being one of your checkpoints. Yeah. Well, 
going back to, you know, we were talking about you're going to run into some conflict. I mean, that's just like you said, and doing innovative partnerships or innovative things, which is what strategic partnering is, it's also going to take a lot of time too. I mean, innovative things aren't, you know, something that companies build overnight. Yeah. If you could buy it off the shelf or somebody (laughs) already has a playbook built for it, I mean, you're just going to grab that and run with it. Yeah. But the bad part is everybody else is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone else has that same opportunity. And so you're exactly right. If people, you know, you're involved in these highly innovative relationships and partnerships, um, expect conflict, expect challenges, but it's the teams, the companies, the partnerships that approach it the right way. And, you know, they are committed to the results. They're committed to what's on the backside of that. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that are, you know, best positioned for success. Yeah. You might think about like, so our, our partnership, our relationship with the university of central Missouri, right? So we were just, you know, on a call with them a few hours ago, um, talking about the SPLP certification, Mm -hmm. right? Strategic partner leadership, professional certification. And, um, you know, so on the topic of alignment and commitment, um, you know, we've been working with, with their team for years and, uh, you know, going back to conversations from, from years ago in their strategic plan, they wanted to launch several different industry certifications. And so we started talking to them about the strategic partner leadership professional certification, right? So People take all three of our courses, the foundations course, the strategic partner leadership model, the SPLM course, and then the five phases, the five phase partnering process course. Um, Any learner that takes those three courses is eligible to take the exam, the certification exam, which is proctored by UCM. And so as I think about, you know, how we're working to grow partnernomics and where we're trying to go. I think about UCM and what they're trying to do on their professional development side, there's an intersection, mm-hmm. you know, and those two paths cross and they're very complementary. You know, it's like that Venn diagram. You have that certain area, that certain space where both companies exist, both partners exist, and, you know, they have overlap that's what we need to find, you know, right. as, as partners and as business leaders. Absolutely. Well, I think that about brings us to the end of this podcast. Going by so fast. I know. So fast. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. We'll see you next time. Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit partnernomics.com.